The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached, they have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fatted cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet, and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. There are a few things that stand out in a mailbox like a wedding invitation. They are generally easy to spot because the envelopes are normally of higher quality paper, professionally or artistically printed. The envelope is thicker since it usually is holding the invitation, an RSVP card, a response envelope, perhaps a hotel accommodation card, and although common in my day but not really useful anymore, more part of tradition, some tissue paper thrown in there on top. So by the time you put all of that inside the resulting chubby little envelope does stand out from the rest of the mail. Oftentimes, the arrival of the invitation was expected, as it was known that a family member or close friend was getting married. Today, that invitation often follows a save-the-date card that was sent out months before to pave the way for that invitation. Sometimes, though, the invitation comes as a surprise. Either you didn't know of the impending nuptials, or you didn't think you would get invited to the wedding, or both. This surprise may make us feel honored and pleased, but in some cases it may also make us feel awkward and inconvenienced. Remember a couple of years ago when I got invited to Prince Harry's wedding, and it, it really just didn't fit with my schedule. <laughs> In the case of the close friend or family member, the response of, I, we will attend, usually comes easily and without much thought or reflection. But in the case of the unexpected or perhaps even unwelcome invite, the response may well be one of regrets, whether we actually regret our inability or unwillingness to attend or not. Then, of course, there is that somewhat middle ground, reserved for those weddings which, while we support, we cannot or will not attend due to a conflicting schedule, the expense involved, or simply because the people involved don't mean enough to us that the desire to be there outweighs the effort required to 
get there. In this case, often the compromise choice is made to send regrets, but also a gift, perhaps a nice or a very nice gift, so as not to offend. In today's gospel, Jesus uses the parable example of invitations to a wedding feast to represent our invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Much more than a simple request to attend a one-time event, it is an invitation to enter into the relationship for which we were made, the relationship with the Father's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It should be easy for us to see our place in the parable. We are the invited guests. By virtue of our birth into the human race, created by God in the image of God with a heart and mind and soul, we are no doubt invited to the Son's feast. The question, of course, is how we will respond to that invitation. Today I am going to direct my comments not to the group that refuses to come, for that certainly is their right. Part of our free will, whether you consider free will a gift or a curse, is the ability to freely decide how to respond to God's invitation. As I have said before, there wouldn't be much godly interest in a world full of robotic-like beings that simply did the bidding of their Creator, without freedom, without a choice to send a loving response to a loving invitation. Nor am I going to consider those that receive the invitation gladly and cancel all other plans, put on their best wedding garment and proceed happily and joyfully to the feast and their meeting with the king. They get it, and they don't need any input from me. Now today I want to focus on that third group I spoke of in my initial grouping of invitation respondents, the group of non-attending gift senders. Now don't get me wrong. While sending a gift when one can't attend a real-life wedding is certainly an acceptable and considerate practice, we have to examine our response to God's invitation to the Jesus banquet and see if we are simply trying to get by without offending God rather than entering fully into the relationship He is calling us to. These gift senders I'm talking about are the folks, and I was once one of them, that attend Mass out of a sense of obligation, but not joyful anticipation. For them, it is almost more of a hassle and not an opportunity. They give little attention to the prayers they recite. They hope for nothing more than a good joke during the homily. And they receive communion as a mere learned routine as opposed to an awesome encounter with Christ. They are present and hoping not to offend, but are actually having no more experience of the banquet than the wedding guests that stayed home and sent a gift. The problem is that just like the people in Jesus' parable, they really didn't understand who was inviting them to their son's banquet. Just as Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So too, if they did understand that the invitation to this meal is not just some other activity in an already demanding life, but the premium connection to the giver of life, their response would be quite different. It is easy in this demanding world, surrounded by information that draws us in every direction but toward God, for us to lose sight of the awesome gift God has given us and the relationship he is calling us to enter into with him, Father, Son, and Spirit. For God is present here. Whether we fully appreciate it or not, 
He is here. From the very beginning, he waits to receive our overdue thanks and praise. With all his merciful heart to hear our repentant pleas and forgive us our sins. Regardless of the quality of the preaching, his inspired word is proclaimed in the readings and his actual words in the gospel to form our consciences, to inspire our spirits, and touch our hearts, to draw us into his loving embrace and hold us close. But that is just the beginning, for then he truly does invite us to the banquet, the invitation not written in special ink on fancy paper, but in the blood of his Son on the wood of his cross. This re-presentation of our redemption, this crucial piece of our salvation, not simply recalled, but experienced firsthand as the very body and blood he offered up becomes our spiritual and actual food and drink. Then after that intimate communion with the Lord and Savior, guided and encouraged by his word and empowered by the sustenance of his very body and blood, we are sent out not happily released from an ordeal, but renewed in our relationship and fervent in our desire to live the life it calls us to and draw others to it by our example. And it is that example that brings me to the other person that Jesus chose to highlight in this parable, the one who comes to the banquet not suitably dressed. A prime example of this type of individual is the politician who claims his or her Catholic faith for a political advantage, yet whose advocacy for sinful practices, such as abortion, clearly puts them outside the church. Some of these so-called Catholics not only support abortion, but have announced publicly in their campaigns that they intend, if elected, to make abortion available in the widest possible form and to repeal the restrictions which have been put in place. And before you think that I am suddenly getting all political on you, I am not. This is not about politics. It is about my duty to preach the truth in a world that these days is hearing so little of it. Cardinal Raymond Burke is the Prefect Emeritus of the Apostolic Signatura, which, apart from the Pope himself, is the highest judicial authority in the Catholic Church. His words in commenting on this subject carry far more weight than mine, and I quote him, This is not a political statement. I don't intend to get involved in recommending any candidate for office, but simply to state that a Catholic may not support abortion in any shape or form because it is one of the most grievous sins against human life and has always been considered to be intrinsically evil and therefore to in any way support the act is a mortal sin. End quote. The reason I bring this up is not because I care one bit about the politics or the election. I have surrendered the influence and outcome of such things to Jesus and asked him to take care of them as he sees fit. However, I am charged as an ordained minister and preacher in the church to care for the flock and leaving such situations unaddressed can allow the flock to be led astray. To quote Cardinal Burke again, because if someone says, well, I'm a devout Catholic, and at the same time is promoting abortion, it gives the impression to others that it's acceptable for a Catholic to be in favor of abortion. And of course, it's absolutely not acceptable 
It never has been. It never will be. End quote. So please understand and hear me clearly. My point is not about who anyone votes for. It is about making it clear what the church teaches and what true Catholics believe about abortion as serious sin. Because knowing what is serious sin is not about any election. It is about salvation. Yours and mine. You know, when you get a wedding invitation, oftentimes they will state clearly the attire that is expected, whether it be formal, informal, or casual. In Jesus' day, apparently it was well known to wear a suitable wedding garment when invited to a wedding. Our clothing aside, the most important garment we bring to this feast is the garment of our souls, ideally washed white in the baptismal bath of God's mercy and maintained in good condition through the oversight of a well-formed conscience and the dry cleaning of a regular confession. As we, through the grace of God, come to a fuller appreciation of the banquet to which he invites us, may we wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb as we hasten to the meal of grace that nourishes us, both body and soul, all the while moving us deeper into our life-giving relationship with the King. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.